You are now listening to the Flurry Podcast, hosted by Marquise Rawls. Fresh off of the Shakur Stevenson and the Anthony Joshua fight, both were really great fights. I enjoyed both of them. But before I get into those two fights, I want to talk about one of the undercards. This guy has been making a big name for himself. I believe I mentioned him in a previous episode before. Edgar Belanger scored his 16th first round knockout in a row. And this man is dangerous. This man is dangerous. It's no need for me to even go into details because every time he touches something or anyone with his right hand and that left hand, he does damage. I don't even want to give him that. Yo, don't give me a pound. You give me a pound, he's going to break my hand. Every time he touches someone, he does damage. And just like what Kanye West said, no one man should have all that power. No one man should have all that power. It's like God made Edgar Belenga and he had a jug of water that just said physical strength and he poured it all. He poured it all inside this one guy. And this guy, his power is ridiculous. Uh, the person he was facing, don't even know his name. I don't need to know his name. You don't need to know his name because he didn't last long enough. He lasted the longest out of all the opponents, I believe he lasted 2 minutes and 40 seconds. But even that, when you're fighting a guy and the goal isn't to win. The goal is to, can I make it to round 2? When that's the goal, that's how you know I shouldn't be in this fight. I shouldn't be fighting this guy. When you take a guy and you think... I think I could survive round one and make it to round two against this guy. That's how you know. You know, I'm going to just get up and head out because I don't need to fight this guy. And not saying that people should be ducking or avoiding Edgar Belenga. That's what the sport of boxing does not need. But we do not need these regular as journeymen fighting him anymore. His power has proved that that. No matter what, he is a cut above the rest of the the mid-tier people in this division. And you could probably find a mid-tier guy or a regular journeyman who, who's tough and who, who has a good skill set to match his. But Belinga's power would negate anything that man could do. So my only solution is... He has to fight one of the top upper echelon elite fighters in the 168-pound division. He has to. That's the only way we're going to see him pass round one. We could get him against like a Billy Joe Saunders who I believe Billy Joe, he just fought like a week or two ago. So he's fresh off his fight. Belinga just had his fight. Both of them do an 8 to 10 week training camp or a 10 to 12 week training camp and they could be in the ring by March or April. We could get him against, I believe Demetrius Andre moved up to 168. Get him in the ring with there. Demetrius Andre, he needs a he he needs a, a, a big name fight. 
And Belinga's not a big name. I'm not saying he's a big name, but he's someone who is starting to garner uh, a nice brand about him. He's catching the attention of the boxing world right now because of, for lack of a better phrase, his novelty act of knocking everyone out in round one. Sorry for the lack of a better phrase because I I think he's better than just a regular novelty act, but that is what makes him special. That's what makes him different. So he has to face someone of that caliber. He has to face someone of a Billy Joe Saunders or a Demetrius Andrade. He has to face someone like a what's that like a David Benavidez who's big and strong and tough and who could take a punch. Yet he has to face someone like a Daniel Jacobs who felt the power of Golovkin and lived to tell the tale. He stood up at, at the end and went all 12 rounds with Golovkin. So he know what real power feels like. He felt that Canelo punch before and lived to tell the tale. So he knows what real authentic force of nature feels like on his chin. So someone like that has to fight Edgar Belinger. When that fight happens, the question, it won't be will Belinger have enough power to knock this man out. That's when it's really going to come down to what is Belinger's skill set. You take away the power or, well, not take away the power, but you you somewhat uh, diminish the importance of his power. Now, he has to rely on his skill set and his ability to create offense and his ability to provide defense for himself. That's what needs to happen with him because he, his power is too much for him to go through the regular process that most boxers go through where you slowly rise in the rink of opposition until you get a big name fight. Nah, his power is too special where he got to jump the line a little bit. He got to skip in front of everyone and get that big name right now. because That's how special his power is. Make it happen. Whoever it is, is his uh, his promoter, make it happen. All right, so let me get into these, these two main events that happened. The first one I'm going to talk about is the... I'll talk about the Shakur Stevenson one because it's it's a little more straightforward. It's it's Shakur Stevenson. Uh, I believe Timothy Bradley had Shakur Stevenson in his top ten pound for pound, which I'm not mad at because I have been advocating for Shakur Stevenson being one of those boxers that I will not bet against. I've always said that it's three boxers in the world right now that I will not bet against. Number one is Canelo. Number two is Terrence Crawford. Number three is Shakur Stevenson. Because those three fighters, they have the it factor and something about them where I don't see anyone beating them. I don't see it. And Shakur Stevenson is one of those fighters. I don't see anyone beating him. His defense is impeccable. His defense is impeccable. I believe they said that he has the lowest percentage of opponents hitting him. 
So basically, they can't hit the guy. Is basically what I'm saying. Like I, I didn't explain it that well, but basically, no one can hit this fucking guy. And then his offense, he has everything in his offense. I'm watching the fight last night, and I'm sitting there. I'm baffled. I was baffled at how many different tools in his arsenal that he has. I haven't seen someone with so many different ways to punch and land punches probably since Floyd Mayweather, probably since then. And there are some people in boxing right now who has a wide array in their arsenal. Terrence Crawford, like I said, Terrence Crawford is one of them. Errol Spence is one of them. Lomachenko is one of them, right? But it just looks like Shakur Stevenson, he just, he can do it at their level or just slightly bit better because it just looks like his punch is coming from every single angle and a lot of them you can't even see, a lot of them you can't block, you can't do nothing about it. And his body shots, yo, I know this guy, uh, Toka Khan Clary, I know he didn't go down because he he's a tough son of a bitch. I, I'll give him that. I'll give him his props there. He could take a punch like the best of them. He has an iron granite chin. And I respect it, right? So he's a tough guy, didn't go down. But when he wakes up in the morning, his ribs, his legs, his face, his neck, his shoulders, his chest... Every part of his body is going to be aching, sore, and he can't move. He won't. He will not be able to move out of bed. You got to carry him out of bed. That's how much damage Shakur Stevenson was doing to him. You saw those body shots, yo. Like those body shots, I, I thought he wasn't going to make it. I'm looking at those body shots, and he's wincing every time he gets hit. He's hunching over every time a body shot lands. And I'm like, yo, he he's not going to make it, but he survived. And it was a clear shutout. There's not one round that uh, Clary got. I don't even think he really did anything in the fight at all. Um, he did try. He did land, you know, a couple shots here and there. But landing two good shots every, like, three or four rounds, you're not going to win a fight against anybody like that. Against anybody. So shout out to uh, Clary for trying his best and Shakur Stevenson. He is the future pound for pound greatest boxer and he has the potential to be the greatest boxer of this era. Will he do it? I don't know. It's up to him. But I see that potential in him and I believe wholeheartedly that Shakur Stevenson will not let me down. Now, he says he wants the Miguel Bachelet fight uh, next year, and that fight. Ooh, I can't. Ooh, I can't wait for that fight. That's the. That's one of the big fights of 2021 that I'm looking forward to. That's that will be potentially, uh, would that be top three, top four? I'll say that's that's. I'll say it's it's top four. Top four fights. Uh, is Shakur Stevenson versus Miguel Bachelet that I will be looking forward to in 2021 because it's a fight that 
people have been talking about, that these boxers have been talking about that has been brought up. I'm not talking about a, a special or a big fight where no one's talking about because I would love to see a Caleb Plant versus David Benavidez. I think that would be one of the best fights in any year it comes out, but no one's talking about that fight. David Benavidez didn't say anything. Caleb Plant didn't say anything. I didn't hear any talks about it, but I've heard talks about the Shakur Stevenson versus Miguel Bachel fight. I've heard people bring it up multiple times. I heard the fight was almost made until I think someone in um, Bachel's camp, they got COVID and, you know, that whole spill going on with that. Someone gets COVID, fight canceled, nothing happening. All checks are bouncing after that. So, so I get it. But it's a fight that has to happen. It's going to happen. And do I even have to say who I have winning that fight? I told you earlier, I don't bet against this guy. Shakur Stevenson, I would bet that he can beat anyone or anything. He can move up to heavyweight division tomorrow, and I will have my money on him beating Tyson Fury. Facts. Facts. Okay. So last fight, Anthony Joshua versus Pulev. It was... A good fight. Uh, Pulev, tough guy. He's fair game. Uh, he's always willing uh, to to have a good fight, be a active participant in a fight. But the fight sort of went how I thought it would go um, because I was a little skeptical about whether Anthony Joshua, whether he would come how he did against Andy Ruiz the second time where he was you know, a little more cautious. He was a little more patient. He he worked behind the jab a little bit more. And he he basically was it looked like he was more of a of a matured boxer rather than a boxer who comes out who who's hungry and thirsty and sniffing for a knockout. Like <sniffs> sniffing for a knockout. He wasn't sniffing for the knockout in the second fight against Andy and he wasn't this fight neither. He took his time. He worked behind the jab. Did he rely on his power? Yes, he relied on the power because he knew he could knock the fuck out this guy. He could knock him out. He knew he could knock him out. Klitschko knocked him out. Um, not knocked him. Klitschko knocked him down a few times in their fight, so he knew I could take this guy out. He just had to be patient, and he got the job done. Joshua looked fantastic in this fight. He looked fantastic. And his defense needs a little work because I think Pulev landed a couple shots that uh, shouldn't have landed. But that's mostly because Pulev, he was throwing, he was throwing like a bunch of um, straights and Joshua moving straight back. Like that's kind of a recipe for straights landing. Like that's when straights is, is kind of effective when you're moving straight back and someone throws a straight like, most times, if someone's good enough and knows how to throw a straight, most times it's going to land. I think Joshua needed to move to the side a little bit more, have more more lateral movement. Um, but at the same time, Pulev was, was the aggressor. Not the entire fight, but for a good portion of the fight, he was the aggressor 
like even though he wasn't winning rounds, I don't think Pulev won one round. There might have been one round where it was like slightly debatable, or two rounds where it might have been slightly debatable, but I don't recall giving Pulev any rounds. But there was a lot of opportunities that Anthony Joshua didn't capitalize on. And I understand why he didn't because it's Pulev. Uh, he's a seasoned vet. Uh, he got, you know, some tricks up his sleeve. So he could have been waiting for you to make a mistake and baiting you in. So I get it. I understand it. But at the same time, you're Anthony Joshua. You're Anthony Joshua. You've been knocked out before. You've been knocked down before and you came back and you overcame that obstacle. I don't think there's anything anyone can do to Joshua that I feel like he should be scared of anymore. And even though I do still think that Tyson Fury is better than Joshua and that Tyson Fury will beat Joshua, I don't think Joshua should be scared of anything. Now, he shouldn't walk through punches. He shouldn't walk into traps. I'm not saying anything like that, but he shouldn't be scared of Pulev's straight. He shouldn't be scared of a Pulev's counters. You should be able to to slip the punches or dodge the punches and come with your own counter, which he was doing in the fight a little bit here and there. He had a counter punch, which started the end of Pulev in, in what, round nine. That's what started his counter punch. It was beautiful. It was beautiful to the utmost fullest definition of the word beautiful. It was so perfect that it was like if you rewatch it again, you will see it was almost a perfect counter. Like if if someone had a tutorial on how to do a counter punch that they was given to a brand new boxer, they would use that clip. Of Anthony Joshua countering Pulev and hurting him in round nine. But the fight was fantastic. This, that performance actually gave me a little bit more hope that Joshua has a better chance of beating Fury. Because I thought his chances, I thought he had like a 30% chance of beating Tyson Fury. But after this fight, I think he has a, a, a solid Solid 40% chance after this fight. I still have Fury as the majority, but after this performance, he has a solid 40% chance. Uh, he, he's still strong, still powerful. He's still, you know, pretty athletic. Uh, his jab was really, really good. Uh, even though I still think he could have used it a little bit more, it was still good. Uh, the uppercut, his uppercut is horrendous. Not saying horrendous as in it's a bad uppercut, but horrendous as in it's scary. If I'm the other opponent, I do not want to get hit by that uppercut. The uppercut was so dangerous. It was so dangerous. If I was, you know, if I was Pulev, I would have nightmares about that uppercut. There was a point in the fight where Joshua threw three uppercuts in a row and they all landed. They all landed. I'm having nightmares that it was creeping in my psyche that, yo, Joshua threw that uppercut. What if he, what if I get hit with that uppercut? It's scary. So fantastic fights all around. Uh, the undercards to the Joshua fight, 
I believe they were pretty good too. The only one I really watched watched and paid attention to was the uh what's that guy named Huey Fury? A Tyson Fury's cousin, Huey Fury, I believe that's his name. I saw that one. Uh, the undercards to the Stevenson fights. I talked about the Belinga one. There was another one, the one right before the Stevenson, which I forgot the name of the two fighters. But that one, I saw the last couple rounds where the guy got knocked out. But I heard it was amazing. I will go back and watch that fight. Um, What else is going on in boxing that I can talk about before I close out this episode? Let me go back. And look online to see some some news. Maybe I will come back and talk about it. Oh, how can I forget about the biggest news in boxing like the past week or so? Floyd Mayweather fighting Logan Paul. I don't believe I talked about this in my last fight. That's kind of absurd, right? Like, am I not the only one that that was like shocked and surprised at Floyd Mayweather taking this fight not saying that Floyd would have thought that he's like bigger than a fight like this because he did fight that that nine year old in like Japan somewhere like a year or two ago right remember when he fought he fought that 14 year old who was like five foot nothing weighed like 95 pounds and Floyd just came and just picked on him and bullied him for like 30 seconds till he he knocked him out and had him crying. Remember that? <laughs> so I'm not saying that I thought Floyd would have believed that he's bigger than something like a fight of of that level, but I don't I would never have thought that a fight against Logan Paul would generate enough money for someone like Floyd to come and say he's willing to take it. Because now I'm thinking, how much money did they offer him? Because that's what I believe Floyd, he just does things for now. I think Floyd Floyd has enough money. And for everyone who's saying that Floyd, he, he he's struggling for money. That's why he took this fight. That is not the case at all. He came to the Anthony Joshua fight. And did you see his right wrist? Did, like, did you see his wrist? Yo, his... yo. Go to Google, look up Floyd Mayweather shows up at um, Joshua versus Pulev. His wrist, it is the most expensive wrist I've ever seen in my life. The most expensive. It literally looked like he's wearing rainbows on both his wrists. Glistening, glowing diamond rainbows on his wrist. So he's not struggling for money at all. He's not. He's not struggling for money at all. But I still wouldn't have thought that this fight against Logan Paul would have had a big enough check for someone like Floyd to come out and say he'll take it. So now I'm thinking how much, right? So this is my speculation of how much, right? I don't know how much Logan Paul got for his last fight against KSI. I don't know how much Jake Paul got for Nate Robinson. And I don't know how much Mike Tyson and Roy Jones got to fight each other. And the reason why it would be better to know what those people got, because this is sort of 
in that same avenue, but just scaled 10 times higher because it's Floyd Mayweather, right? And assuming that it's with Floyd is going to be on, I believe it's on some, some, some pay-per-view thing that I've never even heard of. And they're selling tickets right now, I believe for like 30 bucks, but then after a certain date is going to double that after another day is going to double again, where it's like a regular $80 pay-per-view, right? I don't recommend buying it. I don't think it's worth it. Um, I'm a true boxing fan, and I understand that fights like these, where these these uh, professional exhibitions, uh, I'm calling them because Floyd is a professional fighter or a former professional fighter, and they do have professional rules. So professional exhibitions, fights like this, I actually like it for the sport of boxing, even though I wouldn't pay for it. I, I wouldn't recommend people pay for it, but I believe it's important for the sport of boxing because it's bringing new people to the sport and it's helping the sport generate money so we can see the big fights that we actually want to see. Now, what if someone told you that Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul has to happen for Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford to happen. Just hypothetically speaking, you'll be like, you know what? Okay, I'll let it happen. I'll be happy for Floyd to fight this Paul brother. If I get that in return, okay. So back to how much Floyd is making for the fight. So I speculate that he's making north of 20 million dollars 20 million dollars now hear me out right hear me out hear me out i know it sounds it actually sounds like a lot for this type of fight but hear me out one is floyd mayweather and he's probably using his own uh, promotional company floyd mayweather promotions right Two, Floyd is a great businessman in the sport of boxing. I don't know about his stuff outside of boxing, his his other business ventures, but I know in the sport of boxing, he is a fantastic businessman. His negotiation skills are 10 out of 10 unrivaled in boxing. He knows how to get a check, an easy check. That's one thing he knows how to do, right? And three, Logan Paul, yes, he is someone, he's a he's a YouTube celebrity, a social media star who knows his worth, right? And I don't know if he is as a, if he's as a good businessman in boxing with these boxing fights as he is in in his other ventures and I'm not really sure how good of a businessman he is in his other ventures but he's doing well for himself so he gotta have some knowledge and and some skills when it comes to negotiating contracts that he has right I don't think he's as invested in in his career in boxing which uh, semi-career you know these novelty fights that he's taken for lack of a better phrase I don't think he's invested in these novelty fights that he's taken like Floyd Mayweather. So Floyd Mayweather, he will come into the fight. He will want 
ownership of the fight. He wants to own the pay-per-view. He wants to own the people that are cleaning the ring. He wants to own every single aspect. He wants to own the camera that's shooting this fight. He wants to own everything. He wants to own the person behind the camera. He He's looking for the ownership, right? That's his business. That's the business that he has. He, he wants the ownership. He wants to own everything. So that's where I would believe uh, most of his money is coming from. Now, Jake Paul, he, like I said, I mean, Logan Paul, not Jake, Logan Paul's the other brother. I don't think he he's that invested into it. So he's not going to come and say, oh, I want some ownership or I want like like a, a, a high percentage of ticket sales like a Floyd with Floyd would be like, I want 50 percent of ticket sales. And if he gets 50, even if Floyd gets 20 percent of ticket sales and then that changes the whole dynamic. It goes from him making twenty million to making fifty million off rip. But Logan Paul, I don't think he's that invested. So if Floyd negotiated the contract, he gets twenty percent of ticket sales. He owns the camera. He owns the cameraman. He owns the janitors. He owns that the 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 burnt croissants that they're serving backstage. He owns the canvas. He owns the ropes. He owns everything in there. And then he says, you know, Logan Paul, I'm already making 50 million for this fight. You know, I'll slide you, you know, uh, a cool little five. Slide you a cool little five million. Logan Paul's not going to turn that down. He's not going to turn it down. Because like I said, he's not that invested in it as Floyd is. So that is my prediction for the fight. I believe Floyd wins off rip just because he's making $50 million and Jake Paul's making five. So that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Next episode, I come back for it. You were just listening to the Floyd podcast hosted by Monkeys Rawls. Come back for the next episode or go back and listen to the previous ones if you haven't done so.